1: The Temple of Solomon was a spectacular edifice built for the glory of God to house, to shrine the Ark of the Covenant. It was an amazing structure. Nothing like it existed in the world. In fact, when the Queen of Sheba saw it, she said, the half has not been told concerning the beauty of that building and the awe-inspiring way God was worshipped there. However, All of those things pale in comparison to what the temple of Solomon symbolized because it was a foreshadowing of a much greater temple that would exist in the new covenant era, a living temple. See, God was never satisfied with just a structure made out of stone and wood and mortar and jewels because a stone building could not love him back. A stone building could not reflect his character. A stone building could not commune with him in worship. But those who are washed in the blood of Jesus and born again become a temple of God in a much higher sense. And we can love him back, and we can commune with him, and we can live lives of worship and still be a shrine for the glory of God to be radiated from us into the world around us. There's a lot of territory that we need to cover. Now, it is very clear in Scripture that this title is assigned to you. First of all, it is a corporate title. The temple of God is a reference to the entire church, the entire body of Christ. We are all part of a global temple made up of all born-again believers. Let me read a couple of scriptures that reveal that. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22 say, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Every time someone comes to Jesus, the temple is growing in size. Verse 22 says, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just awe-inspiring that the creator of the universe, and it's impossible to imagine his greatness, and yet in his magnificence and magnitude, he chooses to dwell in the hearts of human beings and make us a temple, a place, a shrine for his glory. Also, First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says, coming to him as to a living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So now Peter represents the new covenant people of God as individual living stones that comprise a global corporate living temple. However, it is also true that on an individual basis, you are the temple of God as well. You're part of a global temple, but you are an individual temple. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 reveals that truth. Paul said, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? Also in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 14 through 16, he said, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And here's the key verse. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Let me say it again. You are the temple of the living God because within you, you have exalted and enshrined the king of the universe on the throne of your heart. And contrary to that, the people of the world have enshrined idolatrous things that they center their lives on. They revolve around those things that they idolize, those people that they idolize, whether it's money or material possessions or people that uh, they model their lives after that are ungodly. Those who are not serving God or not walking with God are idolatrous shrines compared to the people of God who are temples of God. Can you see what an amazing contrast that is? Now, what was the purpose for the temple? Not only was it a shrine that contained the actual Shekinah, the glory of God. The word Shekinah is a traditional Hebrew word that means the one who dwells. Because, see, God's always desired to dwell within the hearts of his people. It just took the cross, the crucifixion of the Son of God to make that possible because only then could our sins be washed away and could we provide God a holy heart made holy by his own power in order for him to dwell in us. But this is not just so that we could be a showcase for the glory of God, so that people could look at our lives and see the impact of the presence of God in a life that is yielded to him. But we are called to be a witness to all nations of the truth. Because, see, in the Holy of Holies, and I'll get to this in greater detail later on, was the Ark of the Covenant. And within the Ark of the Covenant was the Tablets of Stone with the Ten Commandments, and also the Book of the Law was in the Ark. It's up to question whether or not it was inside the ark or in a slot on the outside of the ark, but the book of the law was also in the ark of the covenant. And so the temple of God housed the word of God, just like you, if you're the temple of God, you house the word of God. And through you, a witness of the word of God is going out To all nations. God did say in Isaiah 56, verse 7, that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. So that brings in another dimension. Not only are you a shrine for the glory of God, not only are you a privileged person that houses the divine revelation of the Word of God to share truth with others, but you are also part of this global house of prayer where you can seek God and things happen. God intervenes in the lives of those you pray for. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And so you as the temple of God are a connecting link. See, Solomon's temple in the Old Testament was the connecting link between eternity and time, between heaven and earth, between a holy God and an unholy world. So the New Testament temple of God made up of living stones is also a connecting link between eternity and time, heaven and earth, a holy God and an unholy world. You are an amazing way that God funnels heavenly things into this earthly realm. Think of that. So, the Temple of Solomon was a place that the Jewish people and people out of all nations went to primarily three times a year on Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles in order to be reconciled to God. So, whoever fills the role of being a temple of God is also a means by which others can find reconciliation with God, which means to be restored to a right relationship. Just like a Jewish person would go to the temple with a sacrifice, offering it on an altar in order for sins to be atoned for, to be reckoned right in the sight of God. So people come to you. Almost every day you encounter people that don't know the Lord, and if they really understood who you are, the profoundness of what you are, they would know that they can appeal to you and you can pray for them and they can be reconciled to God. That's what the temple was for back then. That's what God's temple is now. And of course, that leads to the next statement that the temple was a place of hope because this is a really hopeless world if there's no witness of God in this world. But when you find the temple in the Old Testament, your life lit up with hope. I can connect with God. I've come to the temple. I can somehow be relieved of the pain of my past and have a new beginning and a brighter future. Well, that's the kind of reaction people should have when they connect with your life. You could fill them with that kind of hope in a more profound sense let's go way back in time and let's talk a little bit about the original temple in its design and its purpose. And that speaks volumes concerning our calling to be the temple of God, because God is verily a God who hides himself. Isaiah 45 says that. And he hides himself in details like this because they become revelations for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see of what he's doing on a much higher level. For instance, the temple had three chambers, three parts, one temple, three parts, the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. You're the temple of God if you've been born again. There's three parts to you. The outer court relates to your flesh, your body, your physical body. The holy place relates to your soul, the realm of the mind, the will, and the emotions. But the holy of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, relates to your regenerated, born-again spirit, where God dwells, where the glory of God resides. When the Temple of Solomon was built, they brought the stones from afar off, so that no human tool was heard as that building was shaped and formed, and one block was laid upon another. That was a very important thing. First Kings chapter 6 verse 7 says, and the temple when it was being built was built with stone finished at the quarry, so that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. And that was symbolic, why was that necessary? It was all spiritually applicable to a sacred truth that the church of the living God, the new covenant temple that is global in scope, is not built by man's devices or man's tools. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. And so the new covenant temple of God is something God is involved in constructing on a day-to-day basis. That was Psalm 127 verse one too. Uh, uh, So you might want to commit that to memory, unless the Lord builds the house they labor in vain, who build it? Because you're not just working together with other Christians to build a local church and relating to a physical building as the church you are part of the church. You are the church and you are the temple. And God is building you individually as well. Every day he's building you up with more faith, more peace, more joy, more understanding, more comprehension of the mysteries of God. Not only is he building a temple worldwide, he's building inside of you a temple for his glory and making you more useful in this purpose every single day. Now, where do I get that there's three parts to a human being? Well, that's 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. This says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And those are three separate parts. The spirit and the soul are different. The spirit, that's translated from the Greek word pneuma, and soul is translated from the Greek word suke. It's referring to two different things. Something else about the original temple of Solomon that captures my attention is it was overlaid with gold outside and inside. And gold is a symbol of the divine nature. Do you remember when Job went through his great trial and he said, I shall come forth as gold. And Peter talked about the fiery trials, which are to try us. And he said, like gold that is tried in the fire. See, you're being purged of carnal dross, the foreign alloys of attitudes that you know without a shadow of a doubt are not godly attitudes that need to be purged out of you so that you can come forth as pure gold. And just like the temple was overlaid on the outside with gold and the inside and the floor of the temple, it was all covered over with gold. In light manner, you should shine with the divine nature outwardly, but it should also be something very present inwardly, not an outward religious show, but what you are inside is what manifests to the world. That's the gold of the divine nature. And that's beautiful. And in the gold that covered the walls of the temple were scattered precious jewels. Let me give you the scripture for that. Second Chronicles chapter three, verse six, it said, and he decorated, and it's referring to Solomon, he dedicated, decorated the house with precious stones for beauty. Precious stones. Think of that. Beautifully adorning the walls of the temple. I believe there's precious memories that beautifully adorn the walls of your individual temple. Times God moved for you. Times God answered prayers that seemed impossible. Times God revealed himself to you. Those are like precious jewels on the walls of your temple. And God wants to adorn your life that way. In fact, you are a jewel in the sight of God, according to Matthew uh, and cor- according to Malachi chapter three verse 16. Also on the walls of the temple of Solomon and on the curtain or the veil were cherubim, which is a high order of angels. You have ordinary angels, and then you have principalities and powers, and you have cherubim and seraphim. As you go up to higher orders of angelic beings, cherubim surround the throne of God, and cherubim were imaged on the walls of the temple, in the veil of the temple. Why? Because I believe it was God's way of saying, even as there are cherubim in the throne room of the Almighty God, read the book of Revelation chapter four and five, read Ezekiel's tremendous vision, what he saw in the heavenly realm, even as there are cherubim in the very holy of holies, the sanctum, the inner sanctum of heaven itself, so in your heart and in your life, there is heavenly angelic activity because the Bible said he gives his angels charge over you. And so again, in your life, there's a mixture and a merging of heaven and earth. And inside of you, you're, you're well aware of that. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. What an amazing thing. And angels surround you. They bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. They have a charge from God to do that. I believe that's why God had cherubim in the walls of the temple. Isn't that amazing? Just beautiful, ornate designs of angelic beings. And God's got a beautiful, ornate design he's weaving into your life, too, that testifies that his kingdom is manifesting on earth in you and through you. He told you to pray that. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, that happens right inside of this temple right inside of your temple. Let's go to at least one piece of furniture. And I believe I'm going to bring it to a close as we near the uh, outside of the temple area. We come into the outer court and we see the altar of sacrifice in Solomon's temple. That's the first piece of furniture you come to where the sacrificial animals were offered up. And that's where individual Israelites got right with God. That's where their sins were atoned for. That's where the past was canceled and the future was made bright, but it had to happen at an altar of sacrifice. And I'm going to talk more about that altar in the next episode, but I do want to state right here that if you're going to be a true, sincere, authentic temple of God. Number one, you have to start with sacrifice. You present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. You can't be a holy temple unto God unless you present your body a holy sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable service. The Bible said it's not unreasonable that God would ask this. And they would tie the animal sacrifices to the altar with cords, to the horns of the altar. Horns are weapons that animals use to defend themselves against other predator beasts, or to use uh, in, in protecting themselves. And I believe with this world as much as it tries to infiltrate your heart and life with this corruption, you defend yourself. You war against the things that would destroy you by binding yourself to the altar. And there's a scripture that says it. Psalm 118 verse 27 says, God is the Lord, and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horn." the horns of the altar. And the horns, again, are weapons for animals that they use to defend themselves against predator beasts. And there's someone preying on the body of Christ worldwide. The devil goes about as a roaring lion. He has an army of demons under him that are predatorial as well. But we war against them. We fight against them a number of ways, but one way is by binding ourselves to the horns of the altar. Because if you make a commitment to be a living sacrifice to God, you are in a place of protection. You are in a place where God will defend you and fight your battles for you you're surrendered to his lordship. He recognizes that. And he says, the battle is not yours, but God's. And the enemy is easily defeated. Well, that's where I'm going to bring it to a close because on the next episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity, we're going to find out more about what it is to be the temple of the living God by going through all the pieces of furniture in the temple. You have the altar of sacrifice, you have the molten sea and the labors, there's the menorah lampstands, the tables of shoebread, there's the altar of incense, and of course, the Ark of the Covenant. Much mystery unveiled awaits.